To support our work at the Izzy and Mortada Picture Show and the work of other independent creators like us, sign up to listen to the podcast on Nebula. Nebula is the creator-owned streaming platform that hosts great videos and podcasts like the one you're listening to now. Sign up today at nebula.tv slash picture show, and you will get access to this podcast plus other great podcasts and videos. Sign up at Nebula and help support independent media creators. That's nebula.tv slash picture show. Hi, everyone. This is Izzy doing a special solo episode. This week, I spoke with Sydney Urbanek, one of our best pop culture writers. She writes her newsletter, Modern in Mythology, which is all about pop stars and, in her words, their visual antics. Um, if you don't know Sydney's writing, I highly recommend you check it out. But uh, I talked to her about Renaissance, Beyonce, Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour, and this seemingly new venture a lot of pop stars are getting into with putting their concert films in theaters in traditional movie theaters so we talked a lot about that and how their personas basically are being elaborated on in these films um if you're like me you saw renaissance maybe you saw the arrows tour and i'm hoping that you can get a lot out of this and kind of how these films are playing out for the rest of us so yeah it's a great conversation i hope you enjoy it and uh yeah subscribe for more um definitely leave us a rating on the apple store if you can or wherever you get your podcasts it helps people find us so thanks so much and enjoy the interview sydney thank you for joining me I'm so excited to talk to you about this. Yes, (laughs) Um, likewise. Well, I let's I want to start with your background a little bit because I feel like you come into the world of film criticism from such a specific and interesting angle. Um, so I was wondering if you could let people know if they're not familiar with your writing, kind of where you come from, the kinds of things that you're interested in, and I guess, what makes you the perfect person to talk to about the Beyonce and Taylor concert films? Oh God, um, what a big <laughs> question, but I'll try and answer this like succinctly and whatever. And you can, you can like whip me into shape if I'm getting a little too carried away. To make this short and sweet-ish, I was um, a film undergrad student and I've always been like a huge movie person I was always like the movie person in every elementary school class friend group growing up but I was also the movie person that was like obsessed with Britney Spears um, like in the zone and like Lady Gaga in middle school and then Beyonce in my undergrad and um, I was that person in all my film classes in undergrad where we'd be talking about like representation or like star studies or something and I'd always find a way to make what I was talking about what we were learning about about Beyonce or like some some artist that I was interested in I was like oh well you know like Lady Gaga loves Hitchcock too and everyone in my class would like roll their eyes um and initially I got a lot of like snickering 
um, for even from professors and stuff, which is funny because um, I would later go on to do my master's where I, I, and I'll come back to that in a sec, but I would learn from people that were still in my like undergrad film department. Um, they've started like since I left, they've started teaching lemonade and they've started teaching all these things that I was begging my professors and my classmates to acknowledge while I was still a student. Um, so anyway, yeah, I finished my undergrad and then for a couple of years I was trying to like find my way into the online criticism world where I really wanted to be talking about movies, but I found I was always trying to write about like pop music and its relationship with movies. So I was very interested in um, people like Madonna, where I wanted to talk about how Express Yourself was like a big metropolis homage. And I was interested always, I was always finding a way to make movies about like the pop stars that I loved and the really like cinematic work that they were always making. And then that kind of evolved into like really being really interested in these artists that see themselves as auteur like pop stars who have production companies that they start and who direct stuff and who seem to really want to be taken seriously by like real cinephiles and like the filmmaking establishment if you will so eventually I um applied to do like a one-year master's program again in cinema studies um but where my whole shtick going in was like I want to talk about the really blurry line between movies and music videos and I want to talk about Lemonade and A Hard Day's Night and the the road from like A Hard Day's Night to something like Lemonade this is also a few years ago at this point um and so I got a master's in cinema studies but where I was the one that was always writing about like Drake and MIA and Parkwood Entertainment and in the end I wasn't able to do this big uh, visual album history thesis that I had thought I was going to do I'm actually like working on that now separately that's a little fun fact um but what I ended up doing was specializing in Jonas Ockerlund the director of like Telephone and Paparazzi and Hold Up and I largely wrote my thesis about his work with like Beyonce, Lady Gaga, and Madonna, because they are sort of my own personal, like, holy trinity, if you will. Um, and a, a lot of that was about his, um, the his his collaborations with them and how, like, surveillance was a big part of that stuff. Like, if you picture, you know, in God Control, there's, like, a mass shooting at a nightclub, but every so often we get, like, surveillance camera footage or, like, Beyonce like whacking the CCTV camera with a baseball bat, stuff like that. That was like a theme that seemed to be a big deal in his work and his work with them. So that's what I ended up doing at the time. And then by the end of that program, I'd launched my newsletter where I kind of just wanted to like think through and write about all the things I've been talking about and more. So very interested in like the this sort of upper echelon of pop stars um and how they get into like myth making through their visual outputs because that's been like a real thing ever since you know Elvis Presley and the Beatles and eventually Prince and David Bowie and all of these people are kind of in my like mental umbrella um so yeah I feel like that was 
longer than I was I was hoping to answer that question. <laughs> no, but, but I, hopefully I think it makes sense. No, it makes sense. And I think that's a really good transition to kind of talk about this moment that we're specifically in, which is like pop stars have using film as a method of their own myth making. Um we have two huge concert films that sort of came out like basically at the same time renaissance and eras and they're both kind of serving different functions like within those artists what's what's discography is that or filmography both um it's kind of like again like this is what really interests me is that the line is very blurry but I mean in what's what is a good word for it I mean in Beyonce's case it's like it's the next it's the latest installment in this growing filmography that's like a lot bigger than uh people ever really like even I've been reading so much about the film as things have been coming out and people recognize that Beyonce has made like a few movies before but it's always um it's way more movies than people like are kind of accounting for because people always think of her starting to be a real like visual troublemaker in like 2013 when she dropped her self-titled album but that came like five years into her having like a production company that she was starting to create stuff and that's Parkwood or is that yeah it's Parkwood so initially it was Parkwood Pictures um and that was a way for her to like produce obsessed and Cadillac records and movies that she was starring in and have like a bit more control um I would argue that that came out of some of the the control that she did not have on like Dreamgirls for instance um where in the case of like that whole like best original song story she kind of got booted out of the writing um Mm. there was some some temporary rule where like there couldn't be more than four writers on a best original song submission and so she was booted out of the four or something like that for a listen yeah Um, and I think like that was one of the many things that happened around this same period where she started separately taking a a bigger role in like co-directing music videos that she was in and then kind of like breaking away a little bit from her dad and then she was also like 26 27 so she's like kind of just at a you know a formative a formative stage in one's life and then in 2011 she files this trademark for Parkwood Entertainment and that's now these days like the main company slash production hub slash music label that she operates out of like everything Beyonce does comes out of Parkwood Um, and even when something like ostensibly doesn't come out of Parkwood like for example she stars in like a Tiffany ad she brings like the director with her like she it's it's her team that puts all of the 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 content together if you will and like what it what it means is there's this the kind of like there's this very cohesive consistent uh branding style that everything Beyonce is like associated with um is touched by but um yeah, you're going to have to like rein me in here because I'm just. <laughs> well, and then, so I guess also maybe this is useful for listeners. It's like to also know that a, l- a lot of my questions are being guided by not being very fluent in either Beyonce or Taylor Swift for different reasons. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, Cause like I would say Lady Gaga has 
been my number one gal followed closely by Madonna. Um, but then like, I've always been kind of on the periphery of Beyonce really enjoying her music, but not engaging too much with the persona or the fandom. And then Taylor Swift. Third category. Yeah. And then, (laughs) um, so, so I guess like I didn't see eras, but I did see Renaissance. And that was interesting for me because that was my first film or of hers that I've seen. And I'm curious. Yes. So you didn't see eras. You didn't see the tour or you didn't see the film either. Okay. I am at, I've been told they're the same thing. There's no well, additional I, I didn't go to the show. Okay. I didn't go to the show, but um, the Eras film is like a three-hour professionally shot, like, like um, she took one of her tour stops and like filmed it. And like, that's what the movie is. There's nothing more, nothing less, although she left out a few songs and now she can like sell the same film again to people by putting the... <laughs> these three new songs in when it goes to VOD um it's very much just like here is the show if you miss the show here is the show so I saw it in theaters um and I found it very fun you do feel that it's three hours long um and I actually came away from it so like you I I'm a little I've always been a little more kind of um uh (laughs) what's the word what's the right word here my relationship to Taylor Swift is like maybe more complex than it is to Beyonce but um I love so much of Taylor's music I listen to it all the time like when I look at my you know this is the time of year for like year-end wrap-up stuff when your title Mm -hmm. is letting me know who my top artists were like there's a lot of Taylor Swift in there like I'm I am listening to the music um and more recently I'm trying to get more into like writing about the visual stuff because it's such an interesting pocket but um what's really interesting about like these two movies and the fact that we've been talking about these two movies all fall is that they're like not analogous at all right they're not um I I get why they're being like spoken about in tandem and like I've been complicit in that and like speaking about them in tandem and like I was interviewed on Canadian national news about how they were both coming into theaters and what that meant and yeah but the truth is like they're not trying to be the same kind of film so it's we've kind of done both artists a disservice in talking about them like they're uh similar in terms of like ambition or scope or so depth in terms of so my understanding is that this renaissance is similar to some of the other concert capturing type films that Beyonce has done in the past. There's definitely similarities. So if, uh, so you haven't seen Homecoming? No, I haven't. I'm ignorant. Okay, you've got to watch that. I know. You've I'm really ignorant. Homecoming. But also, so, but like, I guess, like, yes and no. Before you start on that, because mm-hmm. I guess I'm trying to understand, like, between the two of them whether they feel like they're both continuing something that is like in line with what they have been doing or if they're kind of aberrations from like their normal output so in taylor's case she has put out concert films before um 
where it's kind of like I did a show and we filmed it and she's done at least three or four of them at this point and they vary in terms of uh like having a directorial stamp come through they're all made by different people like Jonas Ockerland did one with her in in 20 whatever the 1989 one was I don't know if it came out in like 2015 or 16 um he did that one and then several years ago she did like a reputation concert film where again it was just like I did a show and we filmed it and we edited all these different all the different coverage together and that film is like a lot of again because I enjoy that album and I, I enjoy the music like the film is a lot of fun I sometimes say this thing that I realize like sounds I'm aware of how pretentious and annoying it sounds but I think there's like concert films and there are filmed concerts and mm-hmm. Taylor is a churner out of like the filmed concert and that's fine like they're they're a lot of fun but again like when you go to see Stop Making sense which I did earlier in the fall like that's a concert film that was like it was filmed it was thought of as a film long before it was filmed if that makes sense um yeah so to come back to like what I was actually asked like it's it is a very it is very similar to other concert films that Taylor has put out in the past filmed concerts slash concert films whatever we don't have to like get into that but um what is different about eras is the size so size is part of it and then so is just like the narrative of the tour itself and the fact that it's coming on the heels of like it's coming after her most serious um like public reputation hit that she'd ever taken and it's kind of like a triumphant being on the other side of that look how many thousand people came to see me moment um wait to clarify what was the big hit was it like the the labels conflict or was there something well I was thinking of like the whole 2016 fiasco Ah, that was actually more like fiascos plural but she's kind of rewritten that a tiny bit um as being about like something that it wasn't necessarily I don't know that's I feel like that's for a different in short like the 1989 era was a period where Taylor was like massively overexposed and that meant that just about like everything she did was a hot topic and there were a lot of like sort of mini crises that had piled up And then she won album of the year and it's a great album, but like she won album of the year. That was a few more crises, like just embedded right there. And then it was kind of like all through the first half of 2016, you started to see people being very frustrated with. And some of it was like just textbook misogyny, like just people being really frustrated with how well this like very visible woman is doing. Um, But then the like Kim Kanye telephone thing happened right right. I can't believe I just said telephone but um (laughs) that was more of like a nail in the coffin than it was like the whole impetus for the whole thing like that for a lot of people was like okay like let's use this as our nail in the coffin reason to finally like get this woman to shut up and she did like she spent the next year being like more or less silent and then came back with 
reputation. And um, so when I say that like Eras is this kind of triumphant, like on the other side of this moment, that was never like the, as big of a hit to her. Like um, she said in this, in this new like time story, she's like my career ended and like that's not true she's she's allowed to like think that and she's I I uh, I recognize that that would have been like mentally like a very difficult period but like the reputation tour was I think like the most successful North American tour ever and it was an all stadium tour like you don't go on a stadium tour if you're canceled right like that's just not how that's not how that works nevertheless (laughs) nevertheless by now, um, she's definitely like on the other side of whatever that was in terms of just like fan power and money and power, power. And she didn't get to tour her last big pop album prior to Midnight's, which was Lover because of COVID. Right. Um. So yeah, that was a long-winded way of answering. Is this a new kind of film for Taylor Swift? No not really but um it's hitting in like a more a flexier moment than even the reputation film did and it's sort of is it also true like is um within her fandom is there kind of an extra layer of hype there because of everything that's been going on with her label and kind of this reclamation of power that the era's tour kind of represents yeah, so it's funny, I didn't even like touch on that, the whole master recording thing, but that's another uh, like layer to it, which is the Eras tour is this huge flex of like, not only career longevity, but the fact that she's the main author behind all of this music. Um, and one of the things like, one of the one of the things I couldn't stop thinking about while seeing the movie in theaters was like, damn like the music really does speak for itself like the hits are all there it's just like banger after banger like she has that that was that is not something that can be taken away from her any way except legally um and even then like very soon because she's so close to this re-recording project being over like that won't matter the whole like recording master recording thing like won't matter um so another aspect of it to answer your question is like she it's this big like I am the author of my art and I own my art like every day I own more of my art than I did the day before and also like listen to it (laughs) if you know not to sound a little like abstract but like here it is like don't you remember hearing this in 2008 and like dancing to this at your middle school dance and then don't you remember this soundtracking your first like blackout drunk night in college and it's like yes I do actually like this is a huge it's it's sort of similar to like conceptually speaking it's kind of like what homecoming was for Beyonce where it's like look at all of the hits and like look how long look how many years they span um Have you ever heard of anything like this from another artist? I mean, obviously there are so many like uh, battles with, you know, record labels and things like that, but I mean, sort of a, an artist who's at the height of her power 
essentially doing like revisiting her um career in a very literal way like this where it's sort of like yes we're all we're basically like relitigating 1989 or like you know going over these eras again like very much like not you know I'm performing a couple of the big ones at um at you know whatever concert it's you literally need to buy the album again and we're spending a few months with this you know I've never heard of anything like like this I don't think there is really like an equivalent project there have been other artists that have struggled with like ownership of their work um of course and then there's what's funny is like every big pop concert tour is kind of like an era's tour without being called that like at every tour, you can go to like, you know, Beyonce's Formation World Tour. You can go to um, Madonna's Celebration, sorry, not Celebration. You can go to her Confessions Tour and like, you're going to hear all of like the big hits. But yeah, no, I, I don't think there is like an equivalent. What's really interesting about the Eras Tour is that she's like been around a long time, Taylor, but she's pretty young. Like it's a, it's an early it's an earlier than it could be moment for her to be like, let's celebrate my entire career so far. But of course, it has so much to do with like the whole Scooter Braun stuff and like yeah, the like loss by of... necessity versus. Yeah, yeah it's, it's very smart. Um, ultimately, like when you consider how much money has been made and like it's a real nostalgia is a huge factor for like fans that are in the room. It's very interesting to compare the whole project to like the celebration tour that Madonna is currently on where she's like, you know, a 65 year old pop star with like years and years and years and albums and albums um, of the same kind of thing. And there were some funny tweets I saw when the celebration tour was announced being like, okay, here's an era's tour. Like that actually feels a little more hard one, if you want to call it that. But I do, I do think that the, era's project from like a business artistic perspective is very very smart um but you know to come back to renaissance it builds on this existing body of work that beyonce has made produced slash directed depending on the film uh and stylistically it's very much like in keeping with previous things she's done what's different about renaissance compared to even her last big concert film which was homecoming is that it's sort of like encapsulates the whole tour as opposed to just like two nights of a performance um and then it's way more I haven't been able to like watch renaissance yet with a pause button where I can like see where I am in the movie but right renaissance sorry homecoming was very like I want to say 70-30 in terms of concert and doc. Renaissance feels much more, it feels much more like 50-50. I don't know if it is, but it yeah. feels like there's been there's there's been a real attempt to like catch people up on some of the doc. This is how Beyonce speaks to the public is through documentaries. So there's a lot, and there's been a lot right. of years since her last one. Um, so that's part of what's happening here is like she's squeezing a bunch of important like info into these doc segments so it feels way more 50 50 um and then every beyonce film that comes out seems to have been 
seems to have listened to whatever like the criticism of the previous one was a little bit. So like you will notice that Beyonce has largely like stopped talking about money in her films. That's one example. Homecoming was very heavily criticized and I think rightly so for all of the like diet culture stuff. And interesting. That's largely missing from this film. It comes through more. I mean, at the end, my friend always says, my friend Rogan, who's like very smart and a fellow fan, she always says that like a lot of Beyonce's uh, philosophies can be explained by the fact that she's like a pageant queen. She's like an adult. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. She's a former pageant kid. So she, as you saw in the film, like when she sings, flaws and all she's like I'm a host of imperfections and she's like jiggling her arm and it's and like, but it's also kind of like tapping where? her chin <laughs> I know where? where are the flaws yeah she's like I'm uh-huh. 40 and I'm like yeah and you go to con on the weekend <laughs> yeah yeah to give Love her kids a more normal yeah <laughs> as she put it to give her kids like a, a chance to be really normal like me too girl like I get I get it um Same. so yeah there's that. a lot of there's a lot of um it's a really interesting I feel like I I need to see Renaissance like eight more times to say anything coherent about it but I'm I'm gonna do my best well I I think um I coming from just someone who's like a lay person and a lot of like pop stars lives Mm -hmm. um I mean one of the things that Renaissance did for me that I was really interested in was obviously it's a documentary and it gives a behind the scenes of the machinations of putting a tour together. And it seems very focused on that and very focused on specifically painting Beyonce as like the creative director. She is do she is making most of the decisions. She's on the ground saying, we need this camera, this camera, we need this angle, we need this light. Um, so it's like a very technical portrait of her, mm-hmm. which I thought was really fascinating. Um, because I was just thinking about it in terms of the fact that we don't hear from her very often. And so that privacy and the way that she's sort of quartered away from interviews and all of these things can kind of obscure how involved she is in that process. Um, At least for people who aren't, you know, seeing all of the films. And I'm wondering like, if her other films do a similar job in kind of, um, I guess, very clearly pointing to her as this like person who is in charge making all of the decisions, or if that's kind of like a new iteration of her as a like persona and creative figure. So the short answer is that it's one of the most like consistent themes in her, in anything she's ever put out. She is all of like the Parkwood documentaries, but even the documentaries that she'd put out before the company kind of came about are like, they double as like how the sausage gets made type stuff, Um, which she used to do initially. And she still sometimes does this, but just like with less frequency is she used to like make a project, like she'd make an album, she'd make a concert film, and then she would separate the making of component. And that would be available as like a short film on a DVD. So you could watch like the I Am World Tour concert film, which does, by the way, have like little doc moments here and there, but then you could separately watch her putting the tour together. And that's where you would get all of the like 
craft stuff and the Beyonce nearly falling asleep while standing shots and like all of the like work is my life um she used to say stuff a lot in documentaries like I'm like a machine I don't use the bathroom when I'm working I forget that other people need to use the bathroom but I'm the boss I have to like maintain I set the tone for the rest of my team and for the room and then more recent doc stuff is her kind of reckoning it's really interesting like across the years because she's kind of like reckoning with how hard she works and has worked and like the the toll that that has taken on her physically and psychologically Um, and then she always at the end of every film is like I'll never work this hard again and then you fast forward to the next one and she's like still working that hard but still she's her her the narrative of her documentaries is very like a woman struggling with her relationship to work and her workaholism but clearly like benefiting so much from it that I think it would be very hard to be she's like a she's a recovering workaholic but I'm not sure actually how badly she wants to recover um well it seems like she's she's more aware yeah like it seems like with renaissance she's kind of making an explicit call to herself to relax a little bit yeah although I don't know that I mean who knows it's true and it, it came off like way more strongly in this film than in the previous ones but she does really say that like every project she's like I'll never do this again and then it's like here we go like it's just this cycle but that's what that's what it's like to be a very like defined by your work kind of person but in more recent films what she does instead of separating the two pieces is combine them so you get like a full-length show experience but then you get removed from that world a little bit um like periodically throughout the film she kind of like I'm picturing the like roller coaster tycoon hook like she picks you up and she drops you in the like backstage documentary genre and then you keep jumping back and forth um but yeah it's a very very interesting like she's always been that candid and forthcoming well I don't know if candid and forthcoming are, are the right words here <laughs> but she's always been interested in like making people see how much work goes in behind the scenes and also that she's the one like in command of all of it but it right. used to be that like you only really saw that stuff if you were a a fan who had b bought a dvd and who c cared enough to like go through the special features on the dvd and watch all the featurette stuff but nowadays, I think especially starting with Homecoming because it was on Netflix and so many more people saw it than they could have. Um, sorry, that so many pe- more people saw it than like may have been the case if she'd put it on like some obscure streamer or if she'd aired it on TV like she's done in previous stuff. Um, a lot more people kind of like clocked in to see it is because of like how accessible the project had made had been made and like that's true also of this one because it's gone to theaters which is the most like second only to Netflix perhaps it's the most she's ever seemed like she actually wants you to see the film because she seemed very content for years to just like if you want to see my magnum opus you can get a title account or you can tune into HBO at like this time of night and know it will not play a second time, like figure it out. 
she she had a phase where she was very much like on that wavelength and in recent years seems more eager for people to actually see what she's been working on <laughs> and I, I realized yeah. that that sounds weird because she's one of the like most visible successful people in, in the business but she has that air about her that there's like a sheen of privacy I mean even if mm-hmm. these even in these projects that are kind of the peak behind the curtain they're they are crumbs that feel like feasts if that makes sense like we're yes. really not getting that much but it is so delicious that you're kind of like that's fine <laughs> well it's um, like it's that age-old business principle it's like one of the most basic business principles in the book which is like scarcity creates demand and she's very happy to just like shut up and let people talk for her and guess every which way like what she could be doing in any moment what she could be thinking she benefits like professionally from that kind of just like holding back and letting people do their own thing but then she keeps fans sated every so often with like a quote unquote like peek behind the curtain where you're not really learning anything ever that she doesn't want you to know but where it's been like very carefully I mean Beyonce is the director like she's telling you as with like any pop documentary released in recent years like every bit of information has been strategically selected and narrativized and there's stuff that's missing like there's there's lots of stuff that's missing from any of these films not just her own but like I mean anything Gaga five foot two or you know Selena Gomez by mind and me like that's just that's what these films are are like they are PR cleanup opportunities they're like myth making exercises and Beyonce and Taylor Swift are two of the like best people in the game at that at the like storytelling component yeah because I feel like Taylor kind of works in the opposite vein in the sense that like her songs develop a lore that the more involved you are in her fandom the more you can read into them or understand what they're saying in between the lines if that makes sense yeah absolutely it feels like you have homework to do if you have if you're going to understand an album um and for in my case like I'm actually not that turns me off um I still like a lot of the music but I just like I'm not interested in reading all the wikipedia pages yet maybe that'll change but um yeah and they also like they're inverse artists like they sell different things those two women like um one is trying to be your like relatable big sister who would high five you in the hallway and the other is like not looking to be one one is more like aspirational she's not looking to be relatable at all like it's like a this could be you but you're gonna have to sacrifice like your whole life and have a business have your family like behind you as members of your team and you're gonna have to work like 18 hours a day and you know whatever it happens to be yeah they sell different things well I'm curious how how you think each of the two of them see themselves within the history of pop culture like I feel like renaissance very specifically is drawing on Diana Ross or she's like or Grace Jones you know she's kind of putting herself in this lineage of women um 
and then but like yeah so I feel like she kind of sees herself in that sense but do, do you where do you think Taylor places herself how does that kind of play out um I feel like a Swifty would be like way better at answering this question when I think about like when I talk about them kind of selling inverse things um and I have to be careful the way I word this but like when you're I feel like the Renaissance project is much more interested in the idea of like uplifting like a collective of some kind like as you said like placing herself in a lineage not just of like huge entertainers um but a lot like mostly black entertainers that's like a really important point and kind of like the project standing for something that is more than her like more than Beyonce she's very much like the vessel she's like conducting all the energy in the room um with Taylor, like the invention like does... of house was kind of part of that too yeah and like yeah. there's this big family component um and like that's a bit of information when I talk about like strategic reveals like that is a bit of information that has been sat on for a long time because as a very close attention paying fan I don't remember ever hearing about Uncle Johnny until like 2016 and she includes that speech in the film of her giving that speech talking about feeling like Khaleesi and she's got the hat on um so there's this big, like, very layered, ambitious project happening. And then with Taylor, like, it's also layered. It's also ambitious. At the end of the day, you're kind of in the room to celebrate, like, Taylor Swift and perhaps, like, being a Swifty and being part of, like, the Taylor Swift-loving community and it's not to say that she's never done any like advocacy or anything like that's not accurate although this month it's sort of funny to talk about as an issue um but I think they just like they're selling she's selling Taylor Swift it's not that Beyonce is not yeah. also selling Beyonce like she absolutely is but it, I think Beyonce does more uh she puts more effort into like at least having you walk away thinking that like it's it stands for something greater than just her um at the end of the day they're both like billionaires raking in lots of money from their projects they just they go about um they go about what they do in very different differently branded ways did that make sense no that that totally makes sense um okay yeah it's hard with taylor too because i feel like the crossover from country to pop was made I think a big deal out of in her mm -hmm. career and kind of how she's been perceived but um I, I mean I think she pretty much made pop country music before I mean it didn't feel like too huge of a sound leap until later but maybe that's I don't know if yeah. that like plays into part of it too I feel like nobody I don't know I don't know if like let me try the thought let me try and put the thought together out loud I don't think anyone thinks of I don't think anyone has thought of Taylor Swift as like a country star since like at least 2014 right when she made 1989 yeah. um but it's an it's a narrative thread that she has always uh, it makes sense but she's always continued to like 
run with it. Like she, she, uh, I think brought it up recently when like re-releasing that album, but you know, in her own PR, uh, cleanup movie, which was Miss Americana, which she didn't direct, but she produced and like, trust me, that's like a, we should not be assuming there was no authorship on that film. Um, she talks pretty at length about like the Dixie Chicks and Shut Up and Sing, which was like a Barbara Koppel documentary and tries to kind of put her own life and art in conversation with them. Oh, um, yeah. But I don't, I think like, I get why she would still think about being a country star like the context for her bringing it up is that she uses it as an example of like why she always was mum on political stuff but I think it's like very is that easy because like the country just... audience is more fickle about politics is that the implication yeah they lean well there's they lean conservative uh the community but then there was also like the whole Dixie Chicks Bush incident which effectively like ended that iteration of their career um but I think Taylor Swift thinks about being like a former country artist way more than anyone else so Mm -hmm. I sometimes like when when it came up in Miss Americana I thought it was interesting but like kind of a a, just a more than anything like a smart bit of like branding she's really good at like and so is Beyonce by the way like really good at saying something in a documentary knowing that fans will repeat it and defend them using it however true it may be (laughs) yeah but that's what these artists do like we that's what they do like that's what they're meant to be experts at um and I don't even when people like boil criticism of these movies down to just like this is so contrived I'm like obviously like that's their job like nobody nobody in 2000 10 was watching lady gaga walking around being like i wish she would just show up in a t-shirt and jeans and like talk to us about songwriting like no one ever has said that or thought right (laughs) yeah well i guess like i'm kind of interested in stan brain i guess because Uh um at the time of recording we have witnessed a few i guess incidents of stan's I mean, this is nothing new, but not taking criticisms well of these artists, whether or not they're valid criticisms, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm thinking about them as filmmakers and thinking about like, there's such a difference between, let's say like people who are obsessed with Todd Haynes or David Fincher or anything like that. Like there's no kind of equivalent of like a rabid fan behavior maybe Zack Snyder is like the only I was one about but to it's, say, yeah. but like um but like what is it about pop music specifically and you that kind of makes people behave in this way because it seems so prevalent within um fan communities of pop stars specifically um i feel like one of the big things is like they co- they court that like these artists they like, need in order to fill a stadium, you have to have like, you know, in quotes, manipulated that many people to pay to see you in a stadium. And some people can do that on pure like musicianship and like really good for them. But 
you don't get people like passing out at your shows because you like can do a nice minor chord do you know what I mean I mean maybe yeah maybe so I think the big difference is there's that and then there's the fact that like the music industry is competitive in terms of numbers in a way that the film industry is for like opening weekend at the box office and then like isn't ever again right I feel like stands are very it's like you have a bunch of teenagers sometimes in a room like talking like they're corporate execs where they're like comparing numbers and they're doing like projections and looking at figures I I don't know it's a really good question um it's really interesting actually to think about them in like alongside some of these more textbook auteurs um I as I said earlier like I've been reading everything that gets published about renaissance because I'm just so eager to like see what other people thought and kind of make sense of my own thoughts what's one like consistent in them um consistent thing in them rather is that you don't get a lot of people getting into the actual filmmaking like you do they do in kind of like a superficial like let's just like quickly mention it and get out of it um kind of way but you get a lot of people a lot of the renaissance writing coming out right now is very like what does Beyonce mean in this moment and not a lot of like this is a film directed by Beyonce let's talk about the actual filmmaking like technically and the formal stuff um I was saying to my friend so okay here's a thought experiment if there were a new like Christopher Nolan movie that came out and you opened a think piece and it said I think this Nolan guy like is really interested in time as a concept time seems very interesting to him and also something I noticed is that he like messed with the narrative chronology he has moments of this movie like out of order you'd be like right go on (laughs) Like same, same, yeah. same more. Like obviously, but with Beyonce, um, and you know, pop stars in general who make movies, like with Beyonce, you can get away with being like, this movie is very much about black capitalism, and like this movie is very much about her relationship to work, and it's like, yeah, like those are the two big, like same, same more. Like tell me about the, tell me about the angles, tell me about the lighting, tell me about. There's nothing you'd have to see um people don't really get into the filmmaking that much in writing about Beyonce because in order to do that you'd have to like see her as a filmmaker like a real filmmaker and people don't do that right I'm trying to think of I mean stop making sense is probably the last time or like moon age daydream maybe but like people got into the into the like stuff the form the formality of filmmaking of a concert it's uh yeah I mean it's also so interesting because in the streaming era we don't have we only seldom get these kind of like water cooler monoculture moments because if something went like direct to Amazon Prime I'm not gonna like you know I always say like my dentist hasn't seen that movie I can't talk to them about it um for example, like one of the greatest concert films of the last couple of years was Kendrick Lamar's Big Steppers Tour. It says like live from Paris show. And that was directed by 
him and his usual co-director and you can tell on like watching that film that it was conceived of as a film from the like rehearsal stage of preparing the show and that's the other thing that makes Beyonce's concert films very fascinating is like she is already making a movie when she's in rehearsals everything she is doing is like leading up to the eventual concert film that she's making um and in homecoming like there's this you've probably seen the quote on social media and stuff there's this part where she's basically like until i see some of my notes applied it doesn't make sense for me to make more um that comes in this segment where she's talking about how like things aren't translating to camera and she's sitting beside her frequent co-director ed burke because she is in rehearsals for her coachella show already thinking about the concert film that she's making that would eventually go to Netflix. Like that is when you're watching a Beyonce concert yeah. film, suddenly there's like a bird's eye view shot where she's looking up at the camera. Like she is not thinking about the people in the room. She is thinking about you at your local AMC watching Renaissance of film by Beyonce. She does well, stuff was... on stage that's not meant for the in-person crowd. That's like Beyonce adding to her like filmography. Yeah. I mean, that was one thing that um, impressed me a lot about Renaissance, Um, specifically when she was like, yeah, we've been working on this for four years. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I mean, that probably means that you wrote this album five years ago. Yeah. And that's another reason why I'm like, these projects are not analogous in, in that's another. Yeah. So it's sort of like, they're not the same. I mean, that's just crazy that like Beyonce invented contemporary like pinnacle of pop culture like five years ago and uh is probably working on like 2027 now oh absolutely Um, I mean that's just really wild uh I uh the amount of like foresight and kind of like a cohesion of thought that that requires is really really impressive it is and there's also like a restraint element and I was like tweeting about this when I came out of the film, like she has had to sit on, you know, if I were working on the Renaissance world tour, I would be very excited about like, I'd be tweeting out every floor plan and like stage mock-up and, you know, live music arrangement, but Beyonce doesn't do any of that. And she, a really great example of that, it, I personally still even now think like Lemonade is her magnum opus, just like as a film, as an album. And she started working on that in May of 2014, like the recording of the album in May of 2014, exactly around the same time as like the elevator incident happened. That movie didn't come out for two years. So there's there's a year, I assume, a year and a bit of like the music. And then there's another year of putting the film together and all the while like nobody knows what she's working on um that is like so fascinating to me and I wish that I could have like an ounce even of that kind of restraint and just like not you know tweeting all my thoughts out and making it so that like there's less interest in whatever I'm writing but I think I mean what's amazing is that like clearly she has that with with respect to like the business of like release schedules and things like that but she also seems to be able to apply that to her art like there are several times within the documentary where she's like well we need to simplify we need to scale it back you know we need to make it very clear um Mm -hmm. and I love that 
I think the best example of that is that the closing song is literally just like the album cover. It is, it's not the biggest frills performance in the show. It's literally just her on the horse. That is the iconography that she's essentially nailing, like nailing it down, getting it right. Mm -hmm. And just literalizing, like it's a disco house album we're doing a disco ball. <laughs> like that's kind of it. And um, I think like, that's so genius to just let that have its moment and make it a big one. Yeah. And like people always talk about like with these big pop stars, they talk about Easter eggs and stuff and like leaving clues. I think there have been examples of Beyonce, like leaving clues or the odd Easter egg. But I think what a lot of people take as easter eggs like are they like oh my god i didn't realize that like three years ago she used this word in an in a cover story or like she posted a picture of herself on a horse they assume it's an easter egg when i think what's potentially more likely is like the project is just very like thought through fleshed out down to the tiniest detail and like what you are witnessing is like cluing into that if that makes sense, like, I, I don't know if that distinction is even, like, a useful one, but Beyonce it wasn't necessarily, like, I'm trying to think of, like, a real example, because she was talking way before we knew Renaissance was, like, coming out. She was talking about, um, she was using words in cover stories like kiki and, like, words that were very, like, for the knowing in the know reader and later like as she releases a house album people are like oh my god like it was an easter egg and that is one way of looking at it and another is like actually she's just spent like as you said like five years immersed in language and among people that like it's all part of this very like cohesive world building and that may have been less like artificial a moment then it comes off I don't know if that makes sense I think it makes total sense I mean I feel like I um I feel like I have the most micro example of that is like when I'm studying for a video or something and then like I'll encounter some film that I'm like I'm gonna use this meme for the next three weeks and like nobody knows why I'm suddenly using this meme but it's only because I've just been working on this one thing you know for like absolutely yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, and like, it's funny, I probably do the same thing, but I always am like, oh, she's working on something about like Cloris Leachman or whoever it happens to be. I'm like, something's coming. I'm excited to, I'm excited to retroactively like find out why all the memes. Um, but yeah, I think that's a really like big, a big element here is that it's like a film Yes, it's like capturing this year's concert tour renaissance, but it's also like she was making a documentary years ago. Like this was always coming. Um, and then every moment she's on stage, she's making a concert film. She is like a very visual thinker that way. I also feel like I'm being like too generous. Like I do have criticisms of this film. Well, this is what I was going to say because... I think on the one hand, like it is really impressive to be like, yeah, I thought of this five years ago and now you're all catching up with me. But at the same time, I think it also makes you less responsive. And that's kind of a criticism that I think has come up with her before is like, it is 
her art form. It is not like trying to say like, well, this is, it feels like it, it was almost an accident. Like this is what we need right now is Renaissance. And I was like, well, you made this like far before the pandemic. So like, what is this actually for? Do you know what I mean? It's like, a really interesting point. Yeah. yeah. And there have been, like, this is not the first Beyonce project whose release context has made the project awkward somehow like this is not a lot of people are like I keep seeing stands beehive people being like oh my god this is like her messiest rollout ever I'm like you guys there is always something because she's been working on something for you know months to years there's always something and like when uh, at the top of 2020 when the pandemic obviously happened she had an entire cut of black is king like the eventual disney plus visual album and there was a whole new cut made and then after that second cut was made we got like the george floyd protests and this big you know summer of like reckoning as it's often called and like that had to be like last minute accounted for and she had to find a way to spin the project as being important for like this is the this is the correct moment for this project but even even though as you say like it wasn't made necessarily with a moment in mind there's always something though and it there's a i'm trying to think of like a a good other example but there's like always she has this weird curse of like things in the news that concern her happening like right before she goes on tour like right after she releases an album and like um I am sort of like talking out of my ass here but there's always like some legend that dies whenever she goes on tour and so there's always a I don't want to say wedged in because it, it comes off quite like quite seamless in the show but like there's always some tribute that has to be like wiggled into the show and so this time around it was Tina Turner and then previous tours it's been Prince or it's been you know and there's always some like tribute segment she has a bit of a like a curse that way in terms of just you can only prepare so much if you're thinking like five years ahead yeah exactly <laughs> all points. um but yeah I also I am gonna make you watch Lemonade by the way no I know I I think <laughs> I realized watching Renaissance like how huge of a mistake I have been making and not participating I guess but I am beehive. curious like to hear more about like your experience of the movie as someone that you know if we're talking about like feeling like you need to do homework to understand something if you felt like it stood alone as a project or if you had kind of questions about because you sort of when we were texting the other day you were like I don't know how much was supposed to be like new information and how much was yeah. supposed to be understood already I'm really curious to hear about that yeah um I mean I felt like I never felt like I was lost watching it um so I did feel like it stood alone in that sense um but like I said I think I was just kind of since I don't know a lot of the details, I know the basic stuff about her family. Like I know who her mom is. I know <laughs> that she's involved in the project and all that kind of stuff, but I didn't know who uncle Johnny was clearly not many people did or no one did. Um, 
So like that was someone where I was just like, oh, is this someone everybody knows about? Because for example, when you go, when they show a lot of the crowd scenes, they show a lot of people carrying signs that say like, uncle Johnny made my dress. And so Mm -hmm. I'm like, are they carrying that because they know who he is already? Or because like, it's just a good lyric. And it seems like it was just, just a good lyric, right? Like, and then it just happens to be this thread that they actually pick up on in the documentary. So it was yeah, stuff like and- that where I was kind of like parsing through and kind of learning retroactively, but I never felt while I was watching it that I was lost or like unable to understand how it fit like in the project. What, she, what she's trying to tell. Yeah. Yeah. And like pop star film projects always do this where they assume some kind of like prior knowledge, prior context that you have going in. Um, and that's an interesting one because yeah, if you like have followed the album since it dropped, like he was made part of the like he was in like the dedication. And people realized that for the last several years that she has been like she and also Solange and I don't know if her mom had already been posting about it, but she has at least since 2016 when she won that fashion award, fashion icon award, been like thinking about a house album, making a house album where like she could tie it back somehow to Uncle Johnny. And that's another reason why I'm like, her restraint is wild because um, she was waiting. She seems to like have ideas that she's had for, you know, 30 years, but she waits for the correct moment to start trying to like piece the narrative threads together. And there's stuff where like, if all of all of her albums, you line them up, there is a story in there about kind of like, as I said earlier, like her relationship to work, but almost more importantly, like the pursuit of happiness and like personal fulfillment as achieved through like romantic fulfillment and the kind of like struggles to heal certain wounds in her romantic relationship. Um, and how they got over that but all of which to say like you can't make renaissance an album about like finally being on the other side as she says in church girl without having these albums come first like she's waited for the moment where she feels like the release catharsis is actually like appropriate narratively like however many albums away that needed to be so there is this like interesting arc that she's been building where I mean I think her albums all stand on their own but they're very fascinating read as this like longer 25 year story about like wanting Jay-Z to be in love with her and stay in love with her and then yeah but I feel like that that was interesting that she can create new threads that was interesting to me too because I was like there is almost no jay-z in that movie (laughs) i was like "Hmm." yeah (laughs) maybe a little i was like that's fascinating so when i say that like beyonce's projects seem to respond to like past criticisms or not respond to but like account for she's reading she's aware of like people are always like leave that man at home every time she goes out well yeah i was happy i was like i don't care about (laughs) jay-z so i was Mm -hmm. was like thank god (laughs) And it seems like that was 
And that's just another example of like, she is paying attention to people being like, leave, you know, lady, leave your man at home. If you want to put it that way, like leave him at home. And she was like, okay, I will this time. Like I will. So the next project around, we'll have to see what think pieces she read this time, because there's always like, there's always some little shift she makes. Like she's she is a pretty good artist at like listening to critique and trying to like move forward accordingly. Um, and then on the other hand, she has some things where she's just like stubborn about like she's like this is this is staying. Like I am never not going to be like a capitalist with my whole chest. Like that's just that is staying. And that's why I'm like, when people use that as their biggest takeaway from the new Beyonce project, I'm like, okay, but like, say something interesting. <laughs> yeah. Like, we know. Well, if you had to like, guess, I mean, if you had to guess based on any, everything that you've read so far about Renaissance, granted, like, only seen it once, but kind of getting a sense of how people are responding to it. What would you guess that her edit would be for the next one? Well, it's a hard question. I, I mean, truthfully, I think I need to, like, spend more time with the film. There is, like, a whole 70% of the film that I feel like a lot of writing is ignoring or just, like, not accounting for. Like, I keep I keep going into the film looking for, like, a real discussion of what we see in the frames of the film and not just, like, what Beyonce, the entertainer, means in the fall of 2023. So, I don't know. I was um, hoping for more dialogue about her um, wardrobe. That wasn't really talked about. Yeah. For example, there's just, I feel like I saw a movie. I feel like I saw a different movie sometimes reading some of these reviews just because of how much, again, like the critis, the critiques are fair, but just in terms of how much space is like given over to one thing versus the other, if that makes sense, if that's fair. Yeah, I wonder. If, I hope think, I'm like coming off thoughtful no, because I think it's been sense. a very messy behind the scenes thing for like fans of both women for weeks. Yeah. I think it makes sense. And I wonder if there's kind of a discomfort with a lot of film critics critiquing like the actual mechanics of what's happening versus the cultural implications of what's happening because the mechanics of stagecraft specifically are so different than from what you are trained to look at in like filmmaking if that makes sense so it's like so sort of like um like if you're in this part of the stage is that effective like if you shoot it this way you know I feel like that's so different than the typical way that we think about like mise-en-scene you know or like when a costume is meant to fit into like a fashion wardrobe as a as opposed to like oh well this jacket fits this character really well because xyz like I just think it, I wonder if like the the logic of the criticism has to change if that makes sense I I think that's a really interesting point I, one thing that I read um that I thought was very good at actually getting into the like filmmaking, filmmaking, as well as the like cultural myth was Richard Brody's 
eras tour film review oh my god yeah <laughs> so because i did really I like mean, that article sometimes he makes I a banger it. it's true i loved it and like i don't want to put words in his mouth but just for people listening like his argument kind of boiled down to what a spectacular show and woman and what a like just okay concert film and I was like exactly like I sat there in the theater and I mouthed words along and I drank uh some some drink called like an elderflower collins um I'm this is like I'm just going into detail here and like I enjoyed myself but like did I come out of it thinking this was like stop making sense no right right will I put the era's movie on and do work for a couple hours with it in the background absolutely I do that with the reputation film all the time I was gonna say I left renaissance being like I would show this to my parents <laughs> you know what I mean like that's yeah, a good holiday movie watch, kind of <laughs> yeah I make my family watch every Beyonce movie like they I think they're just um I, I really want to see it a second time in theaters and I think everyone's just waiting to be asked to go with me my sister's already gone so she's like okay I'm checking that off and she like fled she went to Florida she's like I'm not seeing that shit again oh I saw you. it again I saw it twice I need to go back and so both of my parents um are like oh my god oh my god and my husband because of the puppy like he's gotten out of it so he's like I'm staying here with the dog he knows he's gonna have to watch it when it's available at home so that's why yeah well I just I also can't imagine feeling burdened by like being taken to see this film <laughs> like that's what's so funny thank you for saying that thank you for saying that and because I had four tickets to see it and then we were trying to fill the fourth slot and there were a few people that were like no that's all right like it's three hours I'm not interested in seeing it for three hours I'm like okay well your loss wow I guess you hate good music I'm so sorry I guess you hate fashion and wow I guess you hate art (laughs) (laughs) wow a woman filmmaker cool (laughs) yeah way to be yeah exactly well, on that note, I've kept you for an hour and a half now, so I feel like <laughs> I will That's let you okay. go be with your puppy. Um, I will. Well, let um, let the people know where they can find you in your writing. Oh, um, so the big place, uh, especially going forward, is going to be my newsletter, which is called Monogamy Mythology because I love to make things difficult for people. Um, and I'm at so. My handles everywhere are Sid Urbanek. And if you go to, say, my Twitter, you're going to get links to everything else, including my tongue twister of a newsletter, Monument Mythology. And I've got lots of (laughs) thoughts forthcoming on all of these things we've been talking about. So hopefully this uh, has not just, like, wasted all of them. And I have more to say. I think you'll always have more to say because you are Oh, thank you for saying that. Well, thank you so much. Um, Yeah, and go follow her. Follow the show at I Am Picture Show. And yeah, more next week.